Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to the Batter's Box on WNSP Now. This is Joey Warner, your host, and my co-host is Ricky Patterson. And our special guest in the studio tonight is Jeff Johnston. He's the son of uh, former USA Jaguar Mark Johnston, who passed away back in November of 2021. Uh, We're going to talk about some really good things about the the Mark Johnston Scholarship Fund over over at South Alabama. Jeff's going to bring us up to date on that. We're going to talk with Ricky Patterson in depth on different things. And we're going to have two telephone guests, Randy McGillberry and Leon Druckenmiller, a former USA JAG that was real close to Mark Johnson as well. But before we get into that, I'm going to give you my pitch on some high school stuff. And, uh, of course, my i got to start with my New York Yankees uh, t-ball team. I, I should say Yankees t-ball team. I said New York Yankees because I'm wearing my New York J- Yankees jersey tonight in honor of Mark Johnston, who was a third-round draft choice with the Yankees back in 1978 when he finished his career at the South Alabama Jaguars playing under Coach Eddie Stanky. And Ricky Patterson had a, had a whole lot to do with that and Coach Jim Crawford. But anyway, uh, the, my Yankees were off last week, and we had a good practice. Uh, I handled the batters. I took them over there on the, in the outfield, and I got them to have about 25 cuts apiece off the tee. And we looked pretty ready. We got a ball game tomorrow night. So, so uh, go Yankees. On the high school level, High school's winding down, and i got to give these guys some coverage, at least with their records and the players of the week and pitchers of the week, because before we know it, the season's going to be over, and we're going to get into Major League Baseball and some of the collegiate baseball on the, on the national level. But uh, Robertsdale Bears have the best record out there. They're 19-7. and seven. Fairhope Pirates have won 10 in a row. They're at 17-8. and eight. Baldwin County is 17-9. and nine. Saraland Spartans are 16 and 6. St. Paul's Saints, 16 and 7. Gulf Shores Dolphins, 16 and 10. Bayside Academy Admirals is 15 and 7. Mobile Christian is 15 and 8. Satsuma is 14 and 6. Bayshore Christian is 14 and 4. Faith Academy, 14 and 9. Baker Hornets, 14 and 10. UMS Wright, 13 and 9. Spanish Fort, 13 and 13. St. Luke's, 11 and 10. Theodore, 10 and 6. Blunt, 10 and 9. Cottage Hill, 10 and 11. Daphne, 10 and 11. McGill, 10 and 13. And Citronelle at 9 and 8. I'm tracking about 35 teams out there, and you have 20 that have won 10 games. So basically, I just gave you my top 21. I think Citronelle deserves uh, a word at nine and eight. So we gotta we gotta keep up with that that high school baseball because playoffs will be starting. I think April 21st, April 22nd. Uh, the players of the week for week seven are uh, Mobile Player of the Week Tyrell Johnson of Blunt, the Mobile County Pitcher of the Week. For week seven is Zach McKinnon from Mobile Christian. The Baldwin County Player of the Week for week seven is Mikhail Bryant from Bayshore Christian. And the, Mo- the Baldwin County Pitcher of the Week seven is Josh Gunther from Bayside Academy. He's a good one, Ricky. He's signed with Wake Forest. 
and he was actually the pitcher of the year as a sophomore. And he's coming into play. He's five and one on the season, zero point six zero ERA, and so he's coming around. Um, and to get to my major league tracker, we got the batter's box major league tracker. Major league baseball started just this past week. And it started with a boom. Of course, Brendan Donovan from South Alabama was awarded his gold glove where he won last year for playing six different positions and playing them just like a major leaguer. He started out with a bang. He's 5 for 14 on the season with five runs scored, four RBIs, and he's blasted two home runs. Showing a little power out there, Ricky. All right, and Adam Frazier is playing second base for the Baltimore Orioles. He's out of Mississippi State. And, of course, I keep talking about his daddy. Grew up here in Mobile, played it. Uh, Crichton Academy, played at Faulkner State. Adam started out with a bang, five for eight. It's a 625 clip. You know, when, before you get over 100 bats, you know, batting averages don't mean nothing to me. You know, but uh, but anyway, uh, uh, Adam has scored five runs. He's got two RBIs, two doubles, stole a base and walked, and he blasted a home run as well. Josh Donaldson hit a really – Good-looking home run the other night, and I was really excited about that. Videoed it, put it on my Facebook page, by the way, is Mobile Baseball Connection. Y'all tune into that when you get a chance. But surprisingly enough, Josh wasn't in the lineup tonight, so Josh is going to have to hit with those Yankees to stay in the lineup. Come on, Josh, you got to do it, big man. And Rangers Bubba Johnson, uh, Rangers Bubba Thompson was not in the lineup tonight, although in, in the first three games he's one for three with a – run scored and a double and in the opening opening game he had a, a home run that he robbed from a header that was just beautiful but look for big things out of uh, Bubba Thompson before the season's out well that that's a little coverage for our for our high school and, and our major league tracker uh Ricky Patterson what was your weekend like buddy well you know I, I've watched a little bit of the major leagues Lately, and you know, I I don't watch a lot of it, Joey, and I, I but you know, because I'm doing a lot of uh, lessons and stuff, and so I don't get to see a lot. But you know, you know, watching some of the hometown people, and that's one thing that we definitely need to do. You know, is to watch. You know, that we used to in the paper, uh, they would always do a follow up on all the players, and you know, I always used to watch about scores and see how the players was doing and stuff, and. You know, it's uh, it's we need to probably we need to probably follow up like you're doing right now, and and following these young the players that's playing at the major league level because it's still important. These are people that come out of Mobile, and you know we we need to follow them and and uh, see what see how they're doing and because they you know they they'll they'll call people back here that they know and. They need that recognition. We all, you know, we all need that, you know, especially when you're away from home. And, you know, I just look for the good things out of our players that we're, you know, that, that's going on now. And, you know, it, you know, it's early in the season and it looks like some of the young guys are doing very well. And, you know, that's, that's good for us. And, you know, it's good for the city of Mobile. And that's, that's the most important thing. It really is, Ricky. And like you mentioned, there's several minor leaguers you know, out of South Alabama and from the surrounding area, from the high schools here, that are knocking on the door, and they're going to get an opportunity up there, and and we're going to continue to track them. It's for sure myself and you, and whatever guests we down have down here, in the studio with us, and that brings us tonight to our special guest Jeff Johnston. His father was Mark Johnston, like I mentioned before, 
And Mark should have been in the big leagues. We all know that. Mark was drafted by the Yankees in 1978 in the third round. And he had a good, good professional career. And he had an outstanding career at South Alabama where he hit 42 home runs, still has the career record. And he hit 21 in, in 1978 when the Jags hit 101 home runs. And he was an All-American. Uh, he, he ended up hitting like 364 career, had 160 RBIs and 180 hits, real high on the career list for South Alabama. He was a stanky product. And we'll talk later about how he made it down here to, to South Alabama. But Ricky, he, he, had a, he even coached with you on the AAA level with the Iowa Cubs. Yes. Uh, you know, we were looking for some people. I was the minor league coordinator with the Cubs at the, uh, the year before. And then we needed some uh, some coaches, and then I when I got the Triple A job, you know, I recommended Mark, uh, you know, to be my hitting coach, and you know, I knew that you know the type of person he was and the type of personality. In fact, Mark saved my ass one night that uh, I had a kid that didn't run out of ball, and his name was Scott Bullet, and I jumped in his face and. Me and him got in a tussle, and Mark stepped in between us to save me from getting my ass kicked. That guy was a pretty big guy, and, you know. But and Mark was a very low key, low key guy, but very emotional when he had to be. And you know that was why you know Mark I think was made him very successful. Nothing, nothing bothered him. He was low key, and it, he was a very, very good player. And a lot of people don't understand, you know, Mark got released by the Yankees and he had over 300. And he had like, you know, 20 home runs. But there was one individual that didn't like him and that cost him the, his, you know, his career with the Yankees and, that, and they let him go. But Mark, Mark should have pitched. He, he should have played in the big leagues. There's no doubt in my mind. Mark could hit anybody. And if you go back and you check the history, there's a lot of pitchers that was very successful and they and they asked him who was the hardest out that you had to get, and it came up. It was Mark Johnson. I mean, Mark could flat out hit, and he was a good player. But it and Stanky always said it took the special manager for Mark that uh, they you had to understand what Mark actually brought to the game. For example, uh, he, Mark would go into batting practice and. Uh, and he would hit 10 balls. And if he hit 10 balls on the screws, he was out. And the, and the coaches go, hey, you, you know, you got two more rounds. He said, I'm good. I'm ready to play. And they took that as a bad attitude. And that's what cost Mark. They thought it was, he was trying to be too smart or whatever. But Mark knew what he had to do. And Mark was that smart of a player. He was very, very smart. He stole second base one time. A catcher come up and threw behind him. He stole a he stole third base when the catcher threw behind him, and the coach goes, "What are you doing?" He said, "Well, I stole the base." And he goes, well, "You can't do that at a higher level." He said, "Why not?" He was that he was that far ahead of the game, and he and that's the type of things. And people thought he had a bad attitude. Mark did not have a bad attitude. It's like Stanky always said, it takes a special manager to respect what Mark Johnson brings to the game because he was a, he knew the game, he knew how to play it, and he took advantage of everything that what happened during the game. And that's what really hurt Mark, you know, in, in professional baseball. It's a shame. I mean, who, who's going to release a guy hit over 300? It's amazing. 
Absolutely amazing. Well, he was a team leader, that was for sure. I played on a, a really good softball team with Mark, and he was a team leader on that one. We had some really good players. I was a catcher and a pitcher on that team. <laughs> and I hustled it out just like I was playing baseball, but we had some ringers on that team. And I had an opportunity to interview Mark out at your grandmother's and his mother's, and that was one of the best interviews I ever conducted in my in my uh, baseball writing career, if that's what it's called. But, Jeff, tell us what's going on with what you're doing for your daddy and, and just give us in detail what 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 – what, what you're doing, and we want to support you, and we want the listeners to, to listen to Jeff Johnston, the son of Mark Johnston, the late Mark Johnston, who was a record holder and just an outstanding baseball player at the University of South Alabama under Eddie Stanky, Coach Jim Crawford, and Ricky Patterson. Tell us about it, Jeff. Absolutely, Joey. Thank you for having me on, Ricky. Good to see you again. It's good uh, to see you. And like you hit on, Ricky, his baseball IQ was just off the charts. You're absolutely his right. His ability to play politics was a little bit less. He wasn't going to do that. He came in, he knew what he had to do, and he'd do it well and always had a good attitude about it. But very stoic gentleman until uh, – we'll get into that later. But he could he could back you up in a fight, too, if you had to. Oh, there's no doubt. <laughs> but what we got going on at the University of South Alabama is a scholarship fund in memoriam of my father – and we've been very fortunate that the Mitchell Foundation is matching uh, funds that go to it right now. So at this moment, we have officially raised $70,000 in his name at the uh, university, which is fantastic. And I have a couple other donors coming in, and we're getting really close to our ultimate goal, which is that six-figure mark, that $100,000. If we can get it there, the fund basically becomes self-sustaining over the next hopefully uh, decades and in perpetuity. So it's been very uh, amazing to see the outpour, outpouring of donations in my father's name. He definitely touched lives beyond just the baseball field because he was, uh, as much as he could hit, he could talk to. He, he knew no strangers. He had an unofficial title of Mayor Mobile in our households at time. But uh, I appreciate you having me on very much, Joey. And thank you for for doing this. It, it, it's truly meaningful that there's people out there that still remember that that name, his name. And also, I I need to hear some more stories. So I like talking to you guys. I didn't get all the stories. So he, he, he kind of edited some out. I think you guys cuss a lot, not you know. But I appreciate you having me on, Joey. Well, Jeff, it's an honor to have you on. You know, your daddy was, like Ricky talks about, just well-respected. Just In fact, he came to one of the... Uh, Midtown Optimus Club luncheons, and he came to listen to Randy McGilberry, who we're about to have on, and and he was in line to be one of the speakers before he passed away. So that's, and I wanted to get with him and go through his scrapbook again and, and take some pictures and stuff. But but is there is it how how do how do people get in touch with you, the listeners, to to, to donate to this fund? So the best way is to search it online at the J Mark. Johnston Scholarship Fund at the University of South Alabama. Uh, of course, it's posted on your uh, Facebook page, the Mobile Baseball Connection. Thank you for doing that. And uh, th that that's the best way right now with all the different ways of reaching people. It's best if you Google it or if you go to the University of South Alabama's donations page, you can search it there. And that's the best way to donate. It's real easy. Uh, you click on it, and there's a there's a portal that will safely transfer those donations to the organizations, which are then matched uh, by the Mitchell Foundations. Uh, I think it goes through May, that matching, so a time is of the essence a little bit. But I'm excited. This next Saturday, 
I'll get to go present, along with my family, a, a check to the University of South Alabama. Right now, the amount is 70000 but I think we're going to bump that up very quickly. And uh, uh, they don't know this. I'm not a pitcher, but I get to throw out the first pitch. So i got to work on that. I, I, I would like to throw a strike. It'll come in at about 62 miles an hour, I think. But uh, so that's this. It's Saturday. not about the velocity, you know. That it's about throwing strikes. That's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> and if I, you know, if you're a good pitcher, you can change speed too. So there's, I just need to get one pitch in. But th- that's the best way to do it, Joey, is to go to the University of South Alabama and look up their donations. And the J. Mark Johnston Scholarship Fund will be under there. Yeah, uh, I really miss your dad. I, I mean, you I, if something came up in the game that that was. Like what's going on today about the umpire and all this kind of stuff. You know, Mark would call me and say, hey, what about that? And, you know, anytime I got on the phone with Mark, it was, you know, 30, 45 minutes. And we talked about all kinds of baseball stuff. And I really, really miss that, you know, uh, the the baseball connection. You know, we could could discuss things that nobody else could. And, you know, and, and that was one thing that I really miss every day. I mean, if something come up that I didn't like, I'd call Mark. So what, you know, what, what do you think about this? And, you know, he was very opinionated too. He would give you, he, you, you never had to worry about what Mark was going to say. He was always going to tell you the truth, and that's what I really, really respected about Mark. He was a straightforward guy, and and I enjoyed every minute that I had with, with him in AAA. And I, I'm sorry for your loss and. Really, I'm. You know, it, it really bothers me because I I miss that. You know, and it's a part of the game. The older you get, you need to talk to someone about that kind of stuff. He was always good about thinking two or three steps ahead in any situation. So if you ever had a rules question, I remember umpires. I got to play for him a year at, at Bishop State, which was a blessing. I just remember umpires would just hang their head low if Mark Johnston came out of the dugout because they knew they were wrong. He wouldn't come out there, much like you said, in batting practice. If he had good, two, ten good hits, he's he, he's done. He, he's, he's loosened up. He's in the zone. And the umpires knew he's not coming out to argue anything he's wrong about. So it, it's funny. Uh, they never really changed their minds about anything, but he'd go out there. He knew the rules like the back of his hand. But the most fun part that you hit on, Ricky, was when some weird things would happen. <laughs> yeah. All right. What do you think about this, Mark? And he could tell you in, in almost a, a, a rant all the facets of that rule and have a discussion with some great baseball minds. So thank you for being uh, there for him and having those conversations. And in a weird way, what I heard a lot of his friends talk about is it would start with baseball, but then 30 minutes later, you're talking about life. How, how are your kids? How, how are the family doing? And uh, I didn't realize this. There were so many people that reached out afterwards saying that they had lost a best friend. And I didn't realize he was that to so many people. And uh, that is something we all miss. This is amazing. This is a great, it's like a memorial. And thank you for coming in, Jeff. And we're going to continue to talk about Mark Johnston. We're going to get Randy McGillberry on the line now. And, and Randy was a real good friend of Mark. So we'll be talking to him. Hey, Randy. Hey, what's going on, Joey? What's going on, buddy? It's been, been a little while, man. But how's things going in life? <laughs> I guess everything's fine. Uh, last time I was in Mobile was when the mobsters did the... Uh... Uh, camp out there at Cottage Hill. I hadn't been to Mobile in a while. I'm speaking with Randy McGillberry. Randy is a former Satsuma Gator. He's probably the best pitcher that's ever come out of Satsuma. He went on to Louisiana Tech before he 
signed with the Kansas City Royals and had a, a career where he went up the ladder, made it to the big leagues, and had a, had a, a good career with, with the Royals on some, some uh, uh, championship teams, uh, division championship teams. And um, uh, Randy, tonight we got Ricky Patterson, my co-host, in the studio with us, of course. And, and we've got Jeff Johnston, uh, the son of the, of the famous Mark Johnston, and I know that you and Mark were, were very, very close. And uh, just start us off with a little bit, maybe a good memory with Mark, or, or just tell, tell us what you want to say, buddy. Well, first of all, I want to say, hey, Ricky, Pat, how are you doing, sir? I'm very good. Thank you for asking. <laughs> good, to, good to hear from you. I've been watching you. I see your post with Joey and everything, buddy. Yeah. Good, good to talk to, keep, to you, Mr. McGillberry. Don't try to do that. It'll, it'll, it'll hurt you. I travel all around the place, but good to see you. Good to talk to you again, Mr. Hey, McGillberry. Jeff, Jeff, good to, good to see you too, buddy. Hey, uh, basically, I didn't meet Mark until I think Ricky and I had uh, put together an amateur team and taken them out to Wichita. Ricky, what did we do? Maybe one or two times? One time, wasn't it? Yeah, I think you got you and uh, Mark flew up. We got um, Warren Hughes' father-in-law to fly you guys to uh, Jackson, Mississippi, and we won that tournament up there. We we brought in a couple of ringers, and you two guys didn't go with me to Wichita. I have to go up there by myself. Is that right? (laughs) No, I went with you because I followed you in that diesel leaking bus. Oh, you was on the bus? Oh, that's another story. No, I, I was in my truck getting diesel all over my windshield. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, – But the, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, yeah, I was there, but uh, I gave up that uh, – I can't remember if it was a grand slam or not, but it was to a guy that I pitched against at, at that very stadium in Wichita. Uh, they hit a home run off of me when I was playing pro ball. So he. Well, he heck, you should have let me know, and I wouldn't have pitched you. Huh? I, I wish you'd have <laughs> let me know that guy hit a grand slam off of you. I wouldn't have pitched you that night or no, brought in a reliever. Didn't, he, didn't, <laughs> he didn't hit a grand slam off of me. He just hit a home run. I, I can't remember if I gave up a grand slam or a home run or what I did when I was pitching for you. But. Uh, yeah, hey, hey, well, Randy, uh, Randy, you and Ricky aren't no spring chickens. Both of you are on just this side of 70 years old, man. Come on now. Yeah. <laughs> that was Ricky. We were, I think Ricky and I were in our, we were probably in our uh, early to mid-30s when we took that bunch up there. Don't lie. It was younger than that, I, I think hope. we, was we? <laughs> I don't. No, I, got, I don't remember. I got out of the ball when I was twenty-seven, so I guess I was. I, I think I was probably right at thirty years old, or maybe thirty-one. Yeah, yeah, you might be right. You're right. So, uh, because uh, I think we had uh, Tin Man and uh, uh, Wayne that went with us too. Yeah, Wayne played first base. Wayne Larker. Yeah, yeah. Was I so, catching, uh, or I let somebody else catch? I can't remember. No, you you caught me. Crap, I wouldn't pitch unless you were catching. <laughs> you don't want to knew how to call my game. Well, so Which so I'm the one that gave up the home run. Ball, I called you a fastball. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You're right. Rock and fire. Yeah. So so really, when I met Mark, uh, we did. We flew up there, and we uh, I had played 
uh, a little bit with the Pascagoula Merchants in my college years. Matter of fact, Ricky's the one that got me over to play for them. Yeah. So uh, we went up to Jackson, and uh, uh, Ricky had some left-handers and uh, a couple, uh, left-hander from, I believe, Wayne Larker's team. And, uh, and then a couple of – he had Duffy. And those Andy Penrith. I don't know. They had a rough day, and Ricky said, you're pitching the next game. And I said, well, all right. And those guys, they thought, this old fart's going to go out there and pitch against these guys and try to win a championship game. And uh, I think I think we uh, – I don't forgot what I did, but I had a pretty good ball game. I, yeah, uh, I, I can't remember that far either, but we did win it. We, we, we won it and went on to Wichita. Yep. Uh, but Mark, that's, that's really some of the first time I played softball. Uh, I played softball with Mark and, uh, on a team for Woody and, uh, uh, what was that? Forest Hill Auto Parts or whatever it was, but, uh, Forest Hill Auto Parts. Woodrow Nolan. Yeah. 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 So, so we, uh, we struck it pretty good because I mean Mark and Ricky were always amazing me because they could keep a well I, I say this for Ricky uh, Ricky when he kept his cool he could talk an umpire into the dirt over nothing but stinking rules in the book and Mark wasn't he was when those two guys were sitting on a bench I didn't open my mouth because I knew that I was going to be either corrected or told to shut up because that wasn't right or something like that. But those two guys knew baseball so well that it was a learning experience for me after I got out of pro baseball. And and so, I mean, I, I've listened to Ricky just go out and talk real calmly to an umpire and say, we'll pull out the book. And, and the guy wouldn't pull the book out because he knew Ricky was right. And, and Ricky would just say, well, I'll just – I just wanted to make sure you understood. And Ricky turned around and come back to the dugout. Well, that ain't the Ricky Patterson I grew up with, but uh, I was I was learning. Uh, but Mark was just a phenomenal hitter. I couldn't believe what that guy would hit rockets on when nobody else could touch it. He would hit a rocket. And uh, I remember playing seniors league baseball. We started that over-30s league in Mobile, and we had about – four or five teams, and I think one on the Eastern Shore. And that's when I saw how how just unbelievable Mark was with the bat. It, it, uh, I've never seen anybody hit like that except for Rod Carew and George Brett. I've never seen anybody hit a ball like that. And, and just, it was, a, it was a play thing for him. I remember... Um, I decided the Cardinals were always winning everything, so I decided I'd go play for the Dodgers, and I think Jay York caught me uh, there. But I remember Mark came to the plate, and Mark knew that I was, you know, I was going to work him away because I didn't want him to pull the ball. He took one, and I want to say I was still running the ball up there, probably in the low eighties, and Mark took a ball that was a about six inches off the outside, and he hit a line drive that was about three feet inside the foul pole and hit the 10 fence at South Alabama. And it 
I, it blew my mind. I, I, I did. I, he just started, and he, and he chuckled when he hit it. That's what really drove me crazy. Was he chuckled when he hit it because he knew what was, he knew what was coming. Uh, but, but I, I've, I've been blessed to be around guys. All uh, I started playing with Ricky when I was twelve years old because back in those days, if you didn't have Dixie Youth in your town, you could go to the next nearest town and play. So I went from Chickasaw over to Alabama Village, and that's where I met Ricky and his dad and, and and a lot of guys that eventually, you know, became good players in high school and, and several went on to college. And uh, But, it, you know, it was not the world that I was used to in the mobile recreation type stuff. Uh, but, but, you know, Ricky's always been real astute and Mark uh, – uh, I, just to sit around them and just absorb what they said uh, taught me a lot about what I was doing. And, uh, you know, Ricky, uh, he caught me, I don't know, shoot. Yeah, Ricky, how many times did you catch me? About four or five times in that, uh, in that uh, amateur league that we took those players to Wichita in? Yeah, well, you know, we played in uh, the Bay Roof Tournament. And there, yeah. were, and there was only two guys on the team. That's when Stanky saw me because uh, Danny Fillingham, I think he was pitching at the time. No, maybe uh-huh. it, it might have been you that was pitching. Uh, we were married, and we were the only two married guys, and we were playing eighteen year eighteen year old league. Yeah, that yeah. that one that went there, and one of the guys was uh, criticizing the wife. And I called time out, and I walked over to the dugout and wanted to know who it was that, you know, said that about our wives. And yeah. uh, and that's when Stanky sent Crawford down there to sign us. But I, yeah, the question, <laughs> who was married at the time? Was it me and you or Phil and Jim? I can't remember. It it, it was me and you. Okay. Uh, yeah, it was me and you. It was uh, Ginger and uh, Kathy. Right, right. Uh, and – and uh, I remember that. I, I think I, I, I think I, I went out there and told you to hit the guy, didn't I? I think you did too. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you did. I mean, that would be that would be your style. Well, you, <laughs> but, the but guy I, that was umpiring was uh, time out and going over to the dugout. Well, you know that I was pitching. Well, the uh, the guy that was umpiring the game, you know who that was, right? That was Mike Stanky. It wasn't. Yeah, and, yeah, and and what you know, they, they came back that that was one reason they came down and tried to sign me, and I yeah, because I think you'd already committed to Louisiana Tech. But, yeah, I, well they 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 tried, uh, but I didn't I didn't want to stay at Mobile, man. I saw my daddy every day. <laughs> I wanted to get. He I was a good man, away. Randy. He was a good man, and he yeah, I know he was, and and the the. The sun set in the crack of your butt, you know, the way he looked at it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I tell you what, if it wasn't the sun, it was his foot. <laughs> yeah. Well, but, he he was very hard on you. I got a question. Yeah. Though. Uh, yeah. Who was the best pitcher when we were 12 in that league? Um... I would say David O'Brien was pretty darn good. 
What about? But I think I think uh, <laughs> David Bird wasn't it? Wasn't it David? No, or was it you? No, it wasn't me. I, I was okay. Yeah, I you know, always won, but you know, I I didn't have the stuff that you guys had. I always thought it was Phil and Jim, Danny Phil and Jim. Man, what Danny, a what a great arm. Yeah, Danny was just he. Danny had a little bit more better mechanics. You know, I didn't have good mechanics. That was a, that was what hurt me. But you know, once I once I got in pro ball and I they showed me what a pitcher's supposed to look like instead of uh, the the rock and fire guy that I was for three years even in college. So you it, 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 I, go ahead. No, I I, I was uh, I cut you off. Go ahead. I want to hear what you were going to say. <laughs> I I remember that, and a lot of a lot of people out there don't understand. Randy could not throw a curveball. When he was no. at a younger age, his daddy refused for him to throw a curveball. I mean, uh, Randy and you and your dad. Everybody knew that you had to throw a fastball, and you got most. Yeah. You got people don't understand. You got people out with your fastball, and and yeah. that's what young kids today. If you can command your fastball at any level, you can pitch. And this yeah. this is what amazes me is that. You know, guys are worried about the breaking ball. But when you came up, your dad refused to let you throw a breaking ball. You were all yeah. fastball. I don't even think they'd ever taught you how to throw an all-speed pitch. Every pitch was a nah. was a major pitch for you was a fastball. And I think yeah. that your dad did you a great service, uh, that he developed you in the right way because you developed your fastball first. And that is one of the main things I think young people out there today needs to understand. Don't worry about the yeah. breaking ball. If you're going to be able to throw one day, command your fastball because speed yeah. velocity comes. Of course, you yeah. had you, you you could throw. You had a real good arm. There's no there's yeah. no question that, in my mind. Well, you know that's that's one thing I always teach kids. You know, because I see even major leaguers today. Man, the next in their first inning, they're liable to throw everything in their uh, portfolio. That's and you're correct. Going, Why would you do that? They got to show me they can hit my fastball before I would even throw a slider. I'd call Daryl off in the in the KC. I'd call him off if, if I just blew somebody away with a fastball. I wasn't coming back with something off, uh, like a slider. And I was gonna I was gonna come at him with my fastball until he showed me he did it. And Randy, I'll give the uh, Mark Johnston perspective on it was one control your fastball, but hey, if you can throw a changeup well, start with those two pitches, especially at a younger right. age, before you start worrying about torquing your elbow and your wrist, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Get those two out, and can you go in and out, uh, change eye level, do the, all that first before you start bringing in the the tougher stuff on your on your arm. So it, right. he, he would echo Ricky and your sentiment there. Does what does Oliver throw? That's your uh, grandson who's who's doing pretty well right yeah. now. Yeah, he's in the eighth grade and he's pitching for high school. He's a starter in high school, and uh, he's a fastballer. He doesn't. I, I, he throws a changeup. He does throw a. He'll palm it a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, but I do remember uh, watching his last game. Uh, he's facing guys that could hit, uh, and but and he got tagged his first few pitches. But then all of a sudden, it just kind of clicked. But he's got good mechanics, and he's got all the stuff that I didn't think he was listening to me, but I guess he was. Uh, 
But, you know, that's the thing about Mark and Ricky and, and, and even, uh, you know, we mentioned uh, Warren Hughes a while ago. I used to love to talk to Warren Hughes because he had a, uh, and Ricky, you know better than I do, but I think Rick, uh, 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 Warren probably didn't throw as hard as me, but he had, he had breaking ball and he had good control, didn't he? Yes, yes, and and he had a put away uh, slider, and yeah. that was that's what made him very successful. He he had great command, and he you know he commanded his fastball, but his his yeah. breaking ball and he held it kind of funny, Randy. And it was, and I always ask him how he did it, and you know what, it, it's kind of interesting, but you know you know coming out of Australia. You know, he was he, he was a competitor too. You know, he went out yeah. there and he competed yeah. every game, but he his put away pitch was his breaking ball. And he had yeah. a, and you know, if you got a swing and miss pitch, it's just like today. Uh, you know, people ask, uh, you know, it I don't care how hard you throw, you gotta have a put away pitch. And yeah. if you got a swing and miss pitch, in other words. And mm-hmm. and that's really you don't see a lot of that today because they're more concerned about spin rate and Fastball yeah. rate. See, today you would be your spin rate on your fastball had to be way up there. You were you were yeah. a forcing guy that was over the top, that you know drove the ball down in an angle, and you know you yeah. don't you, you know you, they don't really preach that today like they used to. You know, of getting on top and driving the ball down and cre- creating yeah. it. When you know, for example, it's like Dwight Gooden. See, Dwight Gooden. You know, when he first showed up, he was a downhill playing guy. And yeah. you know, and nobody could hit him, and they would swing at that fastball up, because he throw that fastball yeah. waist high, and it had that little lift to it, and they and guys couldn't catch up to it. But that's why you know pitching in a downhill plane, once they figured out they could swing it, they quit swinging at that fastball up. That's when he got in trouble. And, and right, you know, you know, it's one thing about the big leagues, and you know, it don't take long. They'll figure that out. It might take a couple of years, mm-hmm. but they'll they'll figure yeah. it out. Well, you know, you know, you played in the big leagues. And you you know well, those big league hitters make the adjustment. You know one of the one of the sweetest things I ever saw is I, I went to the ballpark in uh, Minnesota early one day. I was just going to go running because I didn't I, I knew I wasn't going to pitch. I I think I'd pitched the day before about four innings, so I knew I wasn't going to pitch. And I got to see Rod Carew, and it was nobody but Rod Carew. And I want to say, oh shoot, what was the shortstop's dad's name? Um, crap, I can't think. But anyway, so uh, know, the old man was out there. The, the old man was out there pitching to him, and I watched one of the most beautiful displays of bunny hitting, hitting to other, hitting the pitch where it was pitched. And I, I couldn't believe that a man could do that. Uh, but Rod Carew, I, I looked pretty good against him the day before that. Uh, we get to KC, and he knew what I was going to throw because I, I, they had shown me how to put pressure on my finger and just get a little bit of a sinker. Uh, so I had a slider, a little bit of a sinker, and my fastball. And you know my fastball ran too. Yes. So, but, but Rod Carew knew I was going to throw him low and away, and he, all he did was just take a chopping swing at it and put it right over George Brett's head onto the turf. And uh, and he he set me up, and here I was thinking he was looking up and in, uh, but he wasn't. 
And uh, but but I should have known by watching him hit that if I put anything near the plate, he can handle it. Uh, so so you know that's what amazed me about Mark. Mark had one of the sweetest swings I've ever seen, and and I could watch him all day long hit. And the pictures that uh, Jeff that y'all put up of him and the with his swing and and all that, uh, I, I it just amazed me that uh, how much I learned from Mark when we got those batting cages and started doing the lessons for the kids and everything. It amazed me what what I learned uh, as as a pitcher just listening to Mark talk. And I'll steal a, and, uh, I'll steal a quote. He kind of had a swing that was like poetry in motion. Uh, and yeah. I got to see him play at the Roy Hobbs League, I think was the term, the natural type. Yeah. He just, a beautiful swing. And I'll tell you this story. You talk about the power that had longevity. I got to play with him uh, one game. It was at the Bay Bears Stadium, and it was with Judge York. You mentioned Jay York earlier, and I can't remember. Yeah. Uh-huh. The, I can't remember the context. I'm going to call it a Field of Dreams League. Like, uh, if we, you play it, they'll come. And he's up there. Yeah. He's got to be 58, 59 at the time. We're playing in wooden bats. And there's a pitcher yep. up there. He's not throwing hard, which makes this next thing a little bit more impressive because mass times velocity equals distance, his dad would always say. And there wasn't a ton yeah. of velocity, but uh, – he hit one off the foul pole at 59 years old at a Hank Aaron Stadium. Wow. Yeah, it's it's something that was natural, and also um, he had this yeah. nickname. He was called the Kid, and the reason he got that is my grandfather, Grandpa JJ, was uh, 18 or 19 when Dad was born, and so when oh. Dad was 16 to 18, his dad's 35, 36, and uh, Grandpa JJ was a very good athlete too. So he'd take him to go play. Yeah in the late 1960s or so to go play pickup football, which was not, not today's football. It wasn't flag. It wasn't two-hand touch. It was tackle. Yeah. Or you go play baseball, and it was with men. And uh, oftentimes, uh, if my grandpa didn't get them, the other team's captain would go, I'll take the kid. And that's how, <laughs> that's how Dad got that age, he, that edge, so to speak. He, he got to play with people that were much more mature than he was and just learn how to compete. So I'm glad you got to yeah. play with them. You got to work with them. I still have somewhere the uh, tutorial videos that you guys made. I'm going to have to go dig those yeah. out again because there's some actually some pretty yeah. good knowledge in those old VHSs. Yeah, I've got one, and it uh, my kids, they use that as a, oh, yeah, well, here's Dad. You know, it's one of those things. It's not informational. It's humor. You, uh, you can do both. Yeah, but i tell you this, guys, uh, based on what I've read about what's going on in the, uh, the, the uh, it's a scholarship fund, right? Correct, Randy. Uh, uh, I think that is great, man, for a guy that, because, you know, I grew up with a lot of the guys that played at South Alabama, uh, and then, and I still get to, to talk with them or see them occasionally. And and it it really uh, I used to love it when Mark would come over here and he'd say, "Hey, I'm coming to Pensacola, and we'd meet at the little uh, I don't forgot what it's called, but it's like an it's the diner over there off of uh, uh, Pine Forest." Oh, what's the Cracker Barrel? And it's a diner that we always met at, and. Uh, 
I used to, I mean, even though we had talked baseball a hundred years, we still talked baseball and still kind of reminisced a little bit, but, but it was always informational every time we talked. And, uh, and I can't, uh, you know, Mark's heart was in kids, uh, and his heart was in teaching people how to do things and, uh, and trying to teach it that it, and that's one thing uh, that Ricky and I shared too, was it, a lot of the things we did seemed simplistic because that's all we did. Uh, we didn't have a whole lot of other things going on. I, his dad and my dad, uh, when there was time, <laughs> we were throwing or playing baseball or doing something. I, and Ricky played football. Ricky was a good quarterback. And, uh, but, uh, I just, I just think about the times that I grew up and the times that we came along in and the times that all of us were involved in pro ball. And, and I look at that. My best days was in the days of KJ Clark and Viger and Satsuma and growing up and playing summer ball with all these guys. Uh, that's the best days of my baseball career. And even when Ricky and I were playing amateur ball together and Mark would, we played the uh, Royal Hobbs League. It meant something to me because I was still seeing all these people that I had grown up with still playing baseball. And, uh, but it's, and Ricky, I'm sure you can echo this just as well as I can. Baseball's not that game anymore. No. Uh, I don't even recognize the game that we played uh, in any of this. All the geek stuff that's going on, they got an acronym for everything that a guy, if a guy breathes, I think they got an acronym for that, and they've got numbers for that, uh, right. which sometimes you wonder if some of those guys are breathing. But <laughs> but I I just watched the game, and it man, they couldn't have played ball with us because it's made. And I say this, and, and Ricky, you you probably see this more than I do, but I look at it, and I remember when. Uh, park ball started catering to, well, every kid deserves a chance to play, and every kid should have to be able to play. And, and I watched it evolve into now, and I made a statement to the uh, Kansas City Royals Baseball Historical Society uh, just, I don't know, 30 minutes before we uh, came on air. And I, I told them that the game of baseball Average is the new standard for Major League Baseball. Yeah, I don't see any guys that just rock and roll like the guys we came up with. With Rick, yeah, you um, you just out there playing, you know you, right? You wasn't worried about your spin rate or your launch angle no. or anything like that. No, the game, and you know what? They still have to hit that ball in that strike zone, and it has to go out of the park to be called home run. So that's that's the given part of it. But some of these guys, they work on stuff that me and you, I mean, crap, we didn't worry about that stuff. All we wanted to do was get a hit, run the bases, get out on the field, make a few outs, and, you know, call it a day and then go on about life. Uh, but uh, I don't, I, like I say, I don't recognize uh, baseball anymore. Um, college, I like college baseball. It's still... Uh, it's still got kids that are hungry to to go to the higher levels, uh, 
uh, and I've got a cousin that's pitching um, over in Phoenix City. Uh, he's from Camden. Ricky, I think you know my my cousin. Uh, oh, the in the forestry up there and land. Uh, I think I think you've been hunting with him before. <clears throat> but he's a McGill bear. Yeah. But his son's pitching. Huh? Yeah, I think, I remember him. Yeah. Well, he's he's uh he's big in the land ownership. And he's got a big hunting club and all that stuff up there. He said Jake's been up there with him, and I he mentioned your name. So. Uh, well, I need some hunting anyway, land. I, <laughs> well, huh? I need some hunting land. You need calling. <laughs> right, well, Randy, I'm gonna I'm I'm step in here. I, we've been talking, having a great time, man, and it's it's yeah. great, man. And we're gonna have to uh, round it up here. But I, I want to say one thing uh, before we leave you is is I think yeah. I mentioned this earlier before we started talking to you. But the last time I saw Mark Johnston was at the Midtown Optimist Club awards luncheon when you were the speaker and i think that you invited right. him as the guest and we took pictures and everything and he was yep. he was in order to speak like all you old timers that i look up to have, have spoken at these events and and i want to pre- right. i want to tell you how much i appreciate you coming on and telling stories and talking to jeff talking to ricky and talk having the opportunity to talk about things of the past and that's what this show is all about it's about the history right. of baseball in Mobile, as well as the modern-day stuff that's going on on the field today. And we're all going to have opinions on that. But uh, we've been talking with Randy McGillberry and Jeff Johnston is in the studio with my co-host, Randy uh, Ricky Patterson. Jimmy Wickfield. Y'all all know Randy Patterson. We get it mixed up. I got Randy Patterson's my good friend. Ricky Patterson's my good friend. I'm Joey Warren, yeah. which is JW. Jimmy Wickfield is JW. So Ricky, the first couple of shows, he's calling me uh, uh, Jimmy Wickfield. Now now I'm calling him Randy Patterson. But but And, and I got a Randy here. I almost called you Ricky earlier. But, but Randy, That's thank right. you so much for coming on. And we're going to get you on again and talk about your pro instruct uh, business and uh, and and what you got going there. And and we're going to have a long okay. season. We'll we'll get back with you on that. But again, thanks a lot. And and you have a wonderful time, buddy. All right, gentlemen. It was great to talk to all of y'all, Ricky. Great to see you. Yes, you buddy. Give me a call. I will, bud. I will. I'll get a hold of it. We'll we'll go to lunch and talk about it. Yeah, we'll go have a cold beer somewhere. Yeah, well, absolutely. That's right. No problem. Hey, I'm coming if that's the case. Well, it's the case. Right, you're buying. You're buying, All right? right? All right. <laughs> Thanks again, Randy. All right, guys. Y'all have a great evening. All right. Good night. I'm going to give you the collegiate report right here. Uh, the University of Mobile is 24 and six on the year. They're 10 and two in the conference. They've won three from Bruton Parker College last week. Bishop State's at 18 and 15 and 10 and 6 in the conference. They dropped two or three to Coastal South last weekend. Spring Hill College is at 18 and 4, 14 and 16 and 4 in the conference. They dropped a doubleheader to Montevallo and swept Lane College three games to nothing. And the USA Jags are 12 and 16 and 3 and 6 in the Sun Belt Conference after beating Nichols and took two of three from James Madison. But the last thing I want to say on the college level is Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College is 14 and 18 and 7 and 7 in the conference. And 
Bob Keller's the coach over there. But what's what's unique about that is his son, Charlie, who originally signed with Mississippi State, chose to come play with his father. I've said this before. He's hitting 311, 32 for 103. But in those 32 games, he has ripped 16 home runs with 47 RBIs. And – Leads the team in both those categories as long as well as walks with 21. So Charlie Keller out of Mobile Christian, keep ripping them home runs. I hope you hit 25 or 30, buddy. But we're going to get Leon Druckenmeller on the line and, and talk with Leon about some his career and, and his relationship with the late Mark Johnston. Yeah, he probably should have went to Mississippi State. They need some help right now. You know they lost 18 straight SEC games. Unbelievable! I did going not back know from that. last year. I did not know that. Hey, what about T- Tucker Musgrove? Didn't mention Tucker. This I, week. I didn't. I, I had. He's he hit for four, the cycle. He hit for the cycle. Yes. I know he's hitting about four fifty eight. He's he's got over a hundred at bats, and he's hitting over four hundred with six home runs now. Wow! I saw him hit the the other day. I know that Andrews is, is is still sitting on twelve home runs, and yeah. he's he's still and the, and Wells has got 11, eleven now, and they're 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 playing good ball, getting back on that winning track. They've been playing tough competition out there. Yeah, yeah. you know, he's, top 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 ten teams. I, I saw the home run Tucker hit, and it reminded me a little bit of Bo when he when Bo would hit the ball, it looked like somebody else would hit it. He hit the ball to center field, and I thought it was going to hit the fence, and all of a sudden it took another leap up, went way up in the trees. Wow. Well, we're getting, Dead re- central. we're getting ready to get another uh, South Alabama Jag, one of those old timers, Ricky. Uh, Leon, <coughs> Coach Leon Druckenmiller, are you on Are you on the house? I sure am. How you doing, Joey? I'm doing good, Coach. I'm going to refer to you as Coach because that's how I came up with you. You, you were always, <laughs> you know, when you were at McGill, I, I looked up to you as a coach. That was back in 1979, and I remember a lot of, a lot of tough games. It, we were all tough back then, and and, uh, yeah. But, uh, uh, Coach, uh, we, we got Ricky Patterson in the house as my co-host, and we got Jeff Johnston, Mark Johnston's son, in the studio down here. And we, we're, we're kind of doing like a tribute to Mark Johnston. And uh, I want to give the people out there a little bit of background of, of what I know about uh, Coach Leon Druckenmeller. You, you, you came out of Detroit, Michigan – and came down – well, actually, you went to Arizona State University, if I remember, and then you went to Miami-Dade Junior College before you made it out to South Alabama. And North you, Campus. Okay. North Campus. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a pretty, those are some pretty good schools to, to, to play some collegiate baseball. And then when you finished your career, of course, you were a stanky product, like so many of those guys. And you, you were coaching at McGill, and that's where I met you. I said, my gosh, this guy, he, he coaches just like Eddie Stanky. And I said, wow, that's a cool <laughs> thing. And you ended up at Mary Montgomery where you won well over 500 games and had had uh, one of the best teams in the country in 1991, I believe it was. And and you just had a wonderful career mentoring and coaching uh, young athletes at, at Mary Montgomery. And then you went into like a principal's duty, but – Talk to us a little bit about about your relationship with Mark Johnston and, and your career or anything you want to you want to throw at us, Coach. Okay, well, first of all, uh, Mark was uh, you know he was a product of the uh, of uh, the Detroit area. He grew up in East Detroit, and uh, I grew up in Taylor, Michigan, just on the west side of Detroit. 
But uh, he was three. Uh, you know, he was a freshman when I was a senior. So you know, I, I'm not going to uh, lie to you and say you know we were extremely close. But I did. He made an immediate impact his freshman year. He was extremely talented. And to give you a little background story, I don't know, maybe, maybe Alex uh, Pastor has uh, uh, preempted what I'm about to tell you. Uh, uh, Coach Crawford went up to Detroit and to, to check out Steve Morrison. And, uh, you know, they had a good connection up in the Detroit area. I don't know if you knew it or not, but Stanky, one of his closest friends up there was Mike Illich, uh, who owned the Tigers and owned the Detroit Red Wings. And, uh, so if, if there was anybody who knew the Detroit baseball scene, it was Mike Mike Illich, and uh, he sponsored uh, teams like Little Caesars. I think both Morrison and uh, Johnstone played on that team. But uh, while Crawford was up there looking at uh, Steve Morrison, uh, he saw Mark Johnstone play, and he said, "We got to get him down. We got to get him down to South Alabama." And uh, well, the rest is history. You know, all American, fine gentleman, Christian man. Uh, you know, he was all business. He had a really good, uh, a really good sense of humor. He was fun to play with, and uh, and it was a pleasure to play with him. Well, coach, when you when you played at South Alabama, you know they, when they built Stanky Field and they moved over to Stanky, I think in 1980. But but when y'all played over at Jaguar Field. Man, y'all were drawing three thousand people, Ricky. weren't y'all? Y'all, y'all were packing them in out there and playing the best teams in the country, and were considered one of the best teams in the nation for a long time. Talk about that a little well, bit. Well, we uh, the, the the crowd. You know, we we were uh, that my junior year in nineteen seventy five. We were we were thirty six and one at one time. We were we were voted number one team in the country for a few weeks. And uh, that that doesn't hurt your crowd uh, your crowd numbers at all. But uh, then we went up to uh, we went up to Nashville and uh, uh, got beat in a doubleheader by David Lipscomb. Uh, Bo McLaughlin won both both ends of a doubleheader. He pitched for the Braves a while back, a good while back. And then we lost uh, one game to to uh, uh, Vanderbilt at the old stadium. Well, it's in the same place, but it was a way different field. Uh, and uh, that uh, that pretty much did us in. The, the, the next week, when the rankings came out, we were, we were knocked down to I think five or seven, something like that. But those are always those kind of seasons are always uh, uh, a positive for your attendance. But yeah, we did play some tough teams, and we had a great ball club. We had three major leaguers on that team: Pat Putnam, uh, Michael Berry, and uh, and David Stapleton. And uh, they they were great teammates. They were great ball players, and. Uh, we went on and represented the city of Mobile in South Alabama well in, they, in their professional careers. Wow. Well, you know, I, I heard a story today. Uh, somebody sent me an email, and it was 1979. There was a guy named Bruce Bochy, and he was uh, played junior college ball down in Florida, and he ended up being a number one draft choice. And of course, he was a decent catcher in the major leagues, but he's been an outstanding major league manager. He's won three World Series. In fact, he's managing the Texas Rangers this year. But Stanky recruited him, and he brought him – or he came to Jaguar Field, I'm sure, 1975. And, of course, Stanky had the, the no-cut deal. He, and he said – he mentioned that in the little story that he was written and said right. that there was 100 people out there uh, trying out for the team and that, that Stanky had the batting machine – and and he was teaching 
the kids or the players how to how to lean into the pitch to get hit by a pitch. And, and Bochy said he saw that and he decided to go play somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hear rumors. I wasn't there when it happened, but I do hear rumors that he took one off the Billy Cap on, on purpose. I can't verify that, but it, uh, it was mentioned uh, in years gone by. Well, I think Bruce Bochy signed with South Alabama. But he uh, he ended up taking the contract and going playing professional baseball. Is that what it was? Yes. I didn't know. I, somebody sent Walt Sims from over in Baymanette sent me that story today. I read it and I said that was pretty cool. You know, Stanky knew who he, he was. Goes to show he's a pretty good recruiter. Yeah. Him and Crawford, and then a guy named Ricky Patterson. Well, I, 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 I didn't do a whole lot of recruiting at that time. You know, Crawford did most of the recruiting. I only got one kid uh, my first year, and that was Steve Morrison. I think he was about a five-eight-foot pitcher that pitched on that seventy. Was Doug it? Morrison? Doug Morrison. Yeah, Doug Morrison. That's right. Yeah, we yeah. were talking about him the other night. Yeah. Right. He was the guy that that I actually got to come to South Alabama. I didn't sign him, but you know, he, he I got him to come there because he pitched on our summer league team. You know, we we had a summer league team at the time, and uh, Doug Doug was a you know pretty good pitcher, but Bruce Broshi that. that the, uh, the the rumors, you know, he signed with South Alabama. He was going to come to South Alabama, and then he signed a professional contract. Okay. Well, well Rick, I don't know if you remember uh, uh, Mike Gallagher and Greg, Greg Fairbanks, who came in 76. Uh, they were teammates with uh, Bruce, Bruce Boshi and, and real good friends with him. But uh, neither one of them uh, were there for the 1977 season. Right. And Fairbanks, uh, uh, rest in peace. He passed away a, a, a while back. I don't know how, but he did. He did pass away. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it, that '75 team was a pretty good team. I mean, it, it, yeah. We. Uh, I always keep with my grandsons. Uh, I said, uh, you know, if if I wouldn't have been a left-handed hitter, you probably wouldn't exist because I would have never got recruited to South Alabama if I didn't get left-handed. <laughs> Yes, thank it, takes you. A, it takes a while to sink in, but after you think about it, so you know you're right. Because you know my daddy wouldn't have married my mom and blah 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 if you'd have went somewhere else. Yeah. But uh, yes, thank you. Like those left hand story around a campfire and a cold beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the left-hander story goes to uh, the infamous little short porch for in Stanky Field for a little bit. And uh, Dad, after he was done uh, doing some pro ball, went and grad-assisted at Mississippi State with Coach Polk. And Coach Polk was giving him some heat one day. He's like, I, I know you led the nation in home runs and you hit 42, but, you know, you guys, you guys had that short porch. And uh, Dad goes, well, I came to this p- little Cracker Jack part and I hit three out of um, one game on you. And Coach Polk goes, no, you didn't. Yeah, but Coke Boat, Coach Polk was so <laughs> meticulous and anal retentive. He went to this file cabinet in his office that has all the box stores from decades past and pulled it up. He goes, you sure did. I'll be quiet now. Yeah. So, uh, Stanky and you guys knew how to recruit him. Oh, he's a character. He's one of those memories that I'm jealous of. He remembers things, and it's a gift. He's got a memory. Well, that that was the same thing, you know, with with uh, with Coach Polk. He he never, of course, he always remembered. We always had a winning record over Mississippi State when we played, and yeah, that was why he was always kind of shyish when we played each other 
because uh, you know he he would have great teams. He had good players, but you know we South Alabama at the time we were the team to beat, and that did, and it didn't matter if it was SEC teams or whatever. We were the team to beat in the South, and everybody knew it. Yeah, Coach Polk actually uh, out of, uh, coming out of Miami Dade, he recruited me to go to Georgia Southern which would have been his last year. Our second baseman from Dade North went there and played for him. And then he went to Mississippi State in 1976, which was my senior year. And I and uh, remember very well throwing the ball away at first base. Imagine that. Uh, and uh, they beat us in extra innings as a result of my throwing error. So there's more than good things that stick out in your head from time to time. Well, you were a good, you were a good player, Leon. I mean, playing with you, you know, you were a – you were one of those blue collar guys that went out there and played hard every day, and that was, you know, that was probably one of the reasons the Stanky went after you. You know, you know, Eddie, he was, uh, he he liked those guys that got out there and competed every day, and they had a little fire in their belly, and you, you know, he knew that he knew you played the game right, and that's one reason I really believe that you know that you were you were one of the better players to ever play at South Alabama. Well, I appreciate that. But... Sure do miss it. Miss the coaching part of it, too. Well, Coach, uh, you mentioned your grandson a few minutes ago, and I'm going to have to throw this out there. Uh, You were talking about uh, Drew, I'm sure. Drew Druckenmiller? Yes. Well, I've been been tracking him, and Drew had an outstanding season in 2022 where he was 6-2 with a 2.37 ERA and 50 Ks. And I see where Jones is – 26-6 Twenty-six and six and eleven and one in the conference, and Drew's got his yeah. ERA down at two thirty-four and three and one with fifty-eight yeah. Ks, and he's signed with Southern Miss. Isn't that correct, Coach? That's correct. Well, tell us yeah, a little bit about he's, he's, he's currently on a twenty uh, twenty inning uh, uh, scoreless streak right now. He hasn't given up a run earned or unearned in twenty innings. He's got twenty-seven strikeouts, and he's he's pitching real well right now. He just recently picked up a slider and. Uh, I mean, he's not blowing the doors off velocity-wise. He's not, you know, mid to upper 90s kid, but he's low 90s, and he's he's got command right now. He's he's looking really good. Where did he get the arm? He, he did he get the arm? Yeah, he did inherit that from his from his granddaddy. I know that. <laughs> it had to be his grandmother. <laughs> that was probably my strongest point was my arm. <laughs> Well, Coach, we got just a few more minutes here, and I, I'm going to let uh, Jeff Johnstone kind of on the air get, tell you what what he's down here for and what we're what he's pushing for his daddy's uh, scholarship fund over at South Alabama. That's the Mark Johnston Scholarship Fund. Tell tell Coach Druckenmiller a little bit about that, Jeff. I'll tell you two things, Coach. First, your your story about Dad being recruited offside. Uh, Steve Morrison is absolutely right. Uh, Crawford went up there to Detroit and went to scout Morrison. He kept seeing this other guy goes, I need to get that guy down here too. And he ended up calling dad and offering him a full ride over the phone. And it's probably a good thing he recruited him that way because Crawford had a habit of uh, chewing tobacco and going into these kids' houses. And he'd put that chewing tobacco on the uh, dinner plate as he was talking to these kids. And my uh, grandfather would not have stood for that if he had seen it. But... (laughs) 
but basically, Dad went and looked at an atlas, and he goes, that seems real far south. I've heard of Eddie Stanky. Can you play baseball all year round? And Coach Crawford said, yep. And he goes, I'm coming. <laughs> but uh, this scholarship fund is, is really in his memory, not only for what an outstanding baseball player he was, but for, uh, as you mentioned, has, as a man of family and faith, how his influenced reach outside the game. And so we've been very fortunate to, as of this moment, raise about $70,000 in the J. Mark Johnston Scholarship Fund. And we're, we're pushing for that six-figure mark because then it becomes kind of almost self-sustaining at the uh, university. And uh, this weekend, we get to go present a check to the University of South Alabama, and I get to throw out the first pitch. I got I to gotta get back into shape, man. It's been a while. And I was a... I was an outfielder. I wasn't. I wasn't any pitcher. So we'll see. I, I might have to drop down. Who knows? Just move closer. That's what I did. Perfect. Just move closer to the plate. Yes, sir. And I thank you so much for those kind words. Well, Leon, before we, before we let you go, before we wrap it up here, you know, this has been a tribute to Mark Johnston, and you know, y'all, y'all have lost a lot of a lot of athletes over the years and players. I'm sure, but. Here in just the past few years, I'm gonna mention a couple of, or a few people that that we've lost, and and it's uh, and it's a it's a kind of an in memory to these guys, and they're 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 South Alabama uh, players and coaches, and and that's Jimmy Francia, mm-hmm. Mark Johnston, Hal Williams, Coach mm-hmm. Jim Crawford, and Mike Sassoon, and I, I hope that that these guys are are hearing us up in heaven right now because. Every one of them meant the world to the University of South Alabama, and y'all can attest to that as much as I can. Can't forget about Mike Jacobs either. And I don't know why I did that, but That's I am okay. so <laughs> glad that you that was a that was a muff. But and I you know but yeah. but, but but and Mike Jacobs it was a little bit of about four or five years ago, but but still, uh, and Feb Bowling should be. You know, named right in there, and and even the the track star David Kamani. It, it goes on and on. But y'all y'all were involved with a major university that was a competitive team uh, with Eddie Stanky there and Steve Kitchell and Calvi's done a good job. We're pulling for them to get back on track. But you and Alex Pastor, y'all keep it up out there, and and me and Ricky Patterson is going to come out there and, and and drink some of y'all's cold beer. Okay. When we get on when we get on that deck, I, well, maybe I have to share a couple of Ricky Patterson stories with you. <laughs> you know, you call me back after midnight. <laughs> Thanks for bringing up Mike Jacobs. I really appreciate that. Appreciate you calling. Hey, buddy, we enjoyed it, man. Uh, Jeff, keep doing what you're doing. Uh, all right. Thanks, buddy. And tell Drew to keep throwing, man. Uh, I will. All right, brother. But uh, all right, take care. All right, man. Bye. All right, Jeff Johnston. Man, it's been a pleasure. We, we, we've had a great time here tonight in honor of your father. Ricky, as always, we've, we've, we've reminisced with Randy McGillberry, uh, Leon Druckenmeller, and, 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 and just remembered Eddie Stanky and, and Coach Jim Crawford and, and especially Mark Johnston. Thank and, you, Joey. Thank you, Ricky. Yeah, thanks for coming. I mean, I, I can't say enough about your dad. It was very hard for me. You know, I, I couldn't stay out there that long. I mean, because you know, it was t- it was too many stories and too many memories, mm-hmm. you know. And then I know it, I know it's hard, and you know people can tell you all day long that you know you know time cures everything. But you know what? It's one thing you'll never forget, and that's your family. You know, when I you know I think about my mom and dad, and it's tough. 
It's still, it's still a surreal thing. I, I drove a stick shift for a long time up until a, a few months ago, and one day uh, it wouldn't start, and uh, he had taught me how to jump start it. You get it in neutral and you roll it, and when that happened, the first thing I did was, out of instinct, grab my phone to call him, and you realize you can't. So for anybody out there that has a uh, standoffish relationship with anybody in your family, I encourage you to look past it and have those conversations. I was very fortunate, but my father, at some point after, after the Cubs, he chose to be in Mobile around family. And I always teased him. I, I, I would say, you know, uh, your roommate, Buck Showalter, and one of your good friend, Dan Jennings, uh, they're good major league managers now. If you just stayed in the big leagues, my car would be so much nicer. That's correct. But I w- <laughs> absolutely. But I would not have known him as well as I did. Yeah. So I'm yeah. thankful for that. And thank you for you guys for helping me continue to speak about his well, legacy. I hope everything goes well for you. If there's anything I can do, I'd be glad to help. Absolutely. Well, I'll give you a phone call, and uh, we'll uh, catch up on some After Dark stories, as uh, Coach Drunken Miller brought up, because you guys have some fantastic stories, and I appreciate that. We're going to laugh and have a fun time and get loud. And it's it's been a tremendous show tonight, y'all. We've been listening to the, to the Batters Box with Joey Warner, Ricky Patterson, and Jeff Johnston. We're signing out.